Hey everyone, this is Antonio from the Street Shots Podcast. The episode you're about to hear is a replacement for episode 18, Witch Picks. The short story is when Tom and I went to record that episode, we were having some internet issues, so we couldn't use our usual Skype recording. So we decided to do it in Tom's basement. He doesn't live that far from me. So we recorded in person, and the resulting recording was a little echoey in sound, and... We let that episode sit for a little while before we posted it and realized that we probably could have done a little bit better, certainly with the audio, and we were a little iffy about the content, about the pictures. So we decided to re-record that one using new pictures and usually using our regular Skype recording capabilities, and the audio came out much better, and we thought the content came out much better. When it came time to post that episode, I had both audio files on my computer, and I posted the one with Tom and me in his basement. So I didn't notice that until later. So rather than let this episode, which is the actual recording I wanted to post, let it sit on my hard drive and not do anything, we decided to post it to our stream. And this episode that you're about to hear actually coordinates with the photographs that are on our website uh, for this episode. So listen to this episode. There's a few more things that we... uh, talk about in terms of editing your pictures. Um, Most of the content is kind of the same. The pictures are different, though, so some of the discussion is a little bit different. And uh, just consider this a supplementary episode. So we hope you enjoy this re-recorded episode, number 18, Witch Picks. And without further ado, here it is. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I'm Antonio. And I'm Tom. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm good, Antonio. How are you doing? How are you doing? You're always going to kick into the Brooklyn thing, I see. I can't help it. <laughs> you're Brooklynites. You're like the Lords of Flatbush or something like that. Yeah? <laughs> I'm going to grease back your hair. Oh, wait. Neither one of us have hair. <laughs> can't grease, but can't be greasers. So, um, we're at episode 18, and we thought today we would talk about the gleaning editing process. Uh, You know, you come back from a shoot with 8 trillion pictures, and how is it that you end up picking the picture that you want to use? Yeah, we were thinking, you know, this is a subject that everybody can relate to, especially in the digital age when uh, pretty much everybody is just kind of shooting away and going crazy. We all know that feeling of coming home and having hundreds of images, sometimes thousands, depending (laughs) on what you were doing and what kind of equipment you're using. And, you know, and even if you're just talking about, you know, a dozen images, uh, oftentimes we have nearly identical images are really similar photographs. And and so oftentimes what I think a lot of us end up doing is comparing those images and, and trying to select the one that we really like the best. So we just thought it might be fun to show a couple groupings and, and talk about the thought process. Um, Antonio, I know you have worked as a photo editor before, and so you bring, um, you know, a serious professional background to the the process of editing. So 
why don't you kick it off and uh, tell us about a group of shots and the kinds of, you know, thoughts that you went through. Well, before I get into that, I mean, you, you also mentioned one picture. Sometimes we're not just looking for one shot, right? Sometimes we're looking for maybe a couple of shots that sort of tell the story, too. So you might come back with a series of pictures and you're trying to tell a short story as well. So you might be looking for that one or two. Sometimes it's not just one shot. Right, right, right. right. Some of the pictures I'm going to talk about were from a series of shots I did in front of Macy's in New York City. Uh, one day they were renovating their windows and they had this giant wall that stretched pretty much around the whole store that was painted red, this bright, vivid red. And they have the sign that says Macy's and big arrows that said entrance this way and and it was a really bright and sunny day. And I went there with my camera and I just sort of hung out watching as people were passing by in front of this red wall. And so I took a group of shots. I just sat there and I just waited as people were were marching on by and positioned myself in front of a sign that said Macy's and the big arrow. And sometimes I would position myself on part of the wall that didn't have anything on it. So it was just the red, but it was such a vivid red. I was so attracted to that color. And I took about, what do I got, a series of like maybe 10 shots, 12 shots. And I put them all up on Flickr because I liked them. They were really vibrant. I put them in a series. But there's really only one shot from that series that I would put in my portfolio. That's the one where there's this gentleman in the foreground wearing a very vibrant blue shirt with sunglasses. And he's standing there and it looks like an arrow from the wall is sticking into his back. Yeah, And behind him, there's this little old guy wearing like a camouflage hat and he's kind of hunched over and they're both sort of looking, the guy in front foreground is looking at me. I think he's got sunglasses on. I can't tell. And the guy in the background is sort of hanging out. And to me, it just sort of, it was the shot I was looking for while I was there. There are other shots with people walking in front of the wall and their colors are, you know, contrasting with the wall. But there was this one shot where I thought the balance of the subjects and the wall and the colors were all there. This is a shot I did in color, obviously, because why am I going to do black and white <laughs> on a red wall? Yeah, right. And Good example of, you know, subject that lends itself to color. That's why you're there, because of that red wall. Right. And here we go. We're, we live in New York, so we got sirens outside all the time. And so of all the shots that I put up, this is the one that sort of st stood out to me. And it was really the framing of it, the way the bodies were positioned, the way the the expressions of the guy in the foreground and the background were sort of working together. They're both sort of walking out of the frame too, um, yeah. which I thought was a really interesting kind of position rather than walking towards each other. They're sort of walking against each other. And then there's this sort of force perspective in the picture. The man in the uh -huh. foreground is closer to me. So he looks way larger than the guy in the background. I'm sure that's not how, you know, I'm sure the guy in the back is smaller. So, you know, I looked at this series of shots and even though I posted them all up and basically as a series, it was that one image of the guy in the blue and it was the colors. And again, it was the, the composition that stood out. Yeah, I totally see why you chose that one. Um, you know, we, I think in a previous episode, we talked about eye contact and when the subject is looking directly at the camera, that's oftentimes the one that jumps out from the others. And But everything you said about the juxtaposition of the two guys and the placement of the arrow, um, really interesting. And it is... You know, the fact that they're walking in different directions and yet the arrow is pointing to the left. And yeah, there's there, there's a lot going on. It's very tight and interesting. And, 
you know, the old rule of thumb that, I mean, it's clearly an image that you want to look at for, for more than two or three seconds. You know, there's nothing really ordinary about it and you just want to kind of sit with it and soak up the different elements. You yeah, know, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, and this is sort of an example of like having decided to sort of throw them all up on the board, you know, on Flickr and, and see if what got more response, you know, which one of these, the, the people who were following me or wanted to look at the pictures, which one did they respond to? Uh-huh. And that's the shot, that one, you know, so I think I was right in my mind and, and like that's my select picture that I had. And I noticed that the audience in Flickr also, you know, felt the same way. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's nice to get that kind of affirmation. I mean, the one in the group, you know, on the bottom right of the two African-American men walking from right to left along in the direction with the arrow, that's that's kind of fun, too. Yeah, that has a that, that would have a second place, you know, award, I think, in, in the yeah. grouping. So. Uh-huh. And the, the top right, the woman in the red dress is just, again, you know, it's interesting. And from a Macy's standpoint, you know... <laughs> <It's> uh, a, <laughs> As an ad, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, looking at the top left image, and this could be a whole nother podcast episode, but like when you first look at an image and, and the things that you would be inclined to do, like I think we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, once you've selected the image, I mean, you know, why is that and how are you going to crop it and present it? But looking at, at your select there, that top left image with the man in blue on the far left, I think if I were just going to like suddenly go into the, you know, an editing mode, I would just want to rotate it slightly to the right to bring the tip of the arrow up a little bit and make it more perfectly horizontal. That's just me. I think, you know, you'd lose a tiny bit of the M on Macy and maybe the top of the guy's head, which of course is Hmm. problematic depending on, you know, how tightly you cropped it and maybe there's room to to yeah. rotate it and, and pull yeah. back a tiny bit. That's an interesting way to crop it and see that, that so that is very graphic, that the arrow uh, in the background is very horizontal. horizontal. Yeah, I yeah. find myself wanting to do that. But but I love the way it's tight on the man in blue, you know. I mean, he is certainly the, the focus, uh, you know, energetically. And, and the man in the back, I mean, you know, like you say, he's comparatively so much smaller and, you know, in the middle of New York City with this camouflage hat. I mean, he looks like he could have just, you know, stepped out of a redwood forest or something, you know, hopped off his John Deere tractor. Yeah. <laughs> but so, it's New York. That's yeah, the beauty of it. You yeah. Know, get yeah. Everything. And I was so sad when they took the wall down, but uh, at least I got my group of shots. So, so yeah, that's part of the beauty of street shots, right? It's yeah, just, yeah. it can be so fleeting. Yeah. So, uh, talk about one of your shots. What's, what do we got okay. from you? Well, shifting gears and countries and going to Honduras. Um, I I was there on the anniversary of the coup, and there was a man. You know, there's a really vibrant resistance movement. There, a popular resistance movement of um, Hondurans who were just uh, opposed to the coup government, and there's a massive march. And that night, one of the leaders of the resistance um, was pulled over. He was driving. Uh, he was pulled over and charged with DUI, even though he doesn't drink. And while he was kept in jail overnight, he was basically tortured. He had pepper spray sprayed into his eyes. 
And so I happened to be outside the jail the next morning when this amazing, courageous human rights lawyer came to get him out of jail. And so she was, I have some shots first of like the, the cops at the jail that were trying to intimidate this kind of humanitarian delegation that were standing outside the jail. I think I might have mentioned this in a podcast before, but the the one uh, guy taking the, he's taking a yeah. picture of you while you're taking a picture of him. Yeah. He yeah. pulled out a cell phone and was like taking our picture. And so at that point I pulled out my camera, you know, 10 times the size of his cell phone. And so it was sort of like, you know, a pissing contest with cameras, but it was interesting, you know, and I, I took his picture and then, yeah, eventually um, the human rights attorney came out with the resistance leader who had had this pepper spray sprayed in his eyes. So he, he was squinting. She was leading him out. So, you know, I just, amongst those images, picked the one that to me sort of like captured her uh, gentle courage and, and, and his kind of vulnerable state. So the, this is an example of what I was talking about before, about where you've got a series of shots, but you're trying to tell a little bit of a story. Yeah. So from the five pictures that we're going to look at, and we'll put them in the show notes so that you can see the, the five that Tom's talking about. You've got the three shots of the guy being led out of the prison, and then you've got one shot or two shots really of the prison doorway, one with the cop taking a picture of, of you. Uh-huh. With his cell phone. Yeah, that that's one of the strongest, I think. Yeah, it is, and it it's it's great how the the it's like two framing. You know, you have a single frame of that you're taking, and then you have this police sort of built into a frame himself, right. sort of the doorway. Maybe if you can consider the third frame as his cell phone because it's square, so uh-huh. he's got this third uh, framing going on. But uh, out of those that grouping of shots for me, the two that sort of stand out are the one that the, the, the police officer in the doorway and that other one with the guy being let out sort of about to have water poured in his eyes and he's grabbing his eyes. He looks like he's in pain. I mean, to me, those two pictures sort of tell the story of what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's hard or you just don't want to limit it to one. Um, but you know, like you're saying of the various shots, you, you pick the, one or two or three that are, you know, the most kind of representative that help tell the story. It's interesting too, in the, in the image, um, with the cop taking my picture with a cell phone, the pregnant woman on the left, um, is actually the sister of the man who had been arrested and held overnight and had the pepper spray sprayed in his eyes. Really? Yeah. So she's looking on with, um, I don't know. I, it seems to me like she's enjoying the fact that I am taking the picture of this cop that is part of the harassment of, you know, her, her brother. Have you published those pictures anywhere? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, I have them on my website and, uh, you know, I'm spreading them through social media back at the time. So can I ask you about one of the shots of the cop? You, you decided to include this guy. It looks like you're shooting all full frame here, right? So you're not yeah. cropping any of your shots. So what's the decision part of that because the the one with the cop you know you're talking about my picture is only fair i could talk about yours <laughs> but you you included this shirt in the right there's a plaid shirt obviously someone was walking next to the camera or something like that and so you chose to include that what was the decision process in for that picture i think it's just like the overall um visual feel of the image you know like you were mm-hmm. saying that that door the doorway that the cops and 
I just, I kind of wanted some space to the right of it, you know, and, mm -hmm. and kind of like an overall framing. So, yeah, the shirt, you know, in and of itself doesn't add anything, and it is the kind of thing that normally you might want to crop out. Well, just I, you know, on second thought, I don't, yeah, and I'm looking at it again, it kind of breaks up the wall, and it gives a sense of depth. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, yeah, on, on second look, I mean, this is what happens when you're editing. You sometimes look at a shot and you come back to it a couple of times and you really sort of live with it for some time and you say, okay, why am I going to keep this shot? And then we tend to look at pictures very fast these days, right? Uh-huh, right. So you flick through them on, you know, people are flicking through them on Instagram or you're flicking through them on your iPhone or even in the back of your card, you're, you're going through them very fast and it's interesting to decide to spend some time with a picture. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'd imagine everybody can relate to having really spent some time with an image that you really like. And it's amazing how many details will surface over time. You're like, wow, I never realized, you know, that that person way back there is, you know, raising their hand or pointing at something. And, you know, just thousands of little little details that oftentimes, you know, just can enhance it. And it would be easy to lose it if you're not cognizant of that and you're just kind of like you're saying, you know, cropping really quickly and just trying to move things along in a hurried way. When you shot these, did you, I mean, we're only going to be looking at five of them, but did you have a lot to choose from or did you just like have a small burst that you shot from, from both series of, uh, of the yeah, guy coming out of the prison and the cop? I have to go back and look, but I mean, we were out there for, I, I think like, you know, an hour or two. So I, I know I have a bunch more and I think I have some shots of like the, this small group of this humanitarian delegation that I was part of that outside. Um, and there, there's, I like motorcycles and there's a bunch of motorcycles. The shot of the cop taking a picture of you. Yeah. The that, door. that was a quick burst. That yeah. seems like a quick, like you might've only had a second and maybe this guy with the shirt moved off. And in fact, in the other frame, he's, you could see a shot of the guy in the shirt talking to the, through the doorway. So I'm going to uh -huh. guess you didn't have that many to choose from, you know, so you nailed it with this, uh, with this frame. Yeah. That was a short burst. Definitely. Yeah. When we talk about the beginning that we come back with thousands of pictures, there's a, there's that school of thought saying that, you know, don't go and what is it? Uh, pray and spray, you know, sh uh -huh. <laughs> put your finger on the trigger and shoot a thousand shots because you're, you're going to spend, you want to spend some time looking at the pictures. And if you have the, you know, if you have 150 pictures of the same scene to look at, it's going to be really hard for you to choose which is the best shot. Yeah. You know, yeah. now the thing about street photography in this case, or this event photography, like, you know, this event that was happening, things are happening very rapidly. So you can probably only get a few frames, you know, maybe the cop puts down, you know, the cell phone, he walks back through the door. And so you don't really have a lot to choose from. But part of this issue of editing is that you come, you know, most of us don't want to spend that much time in front of our computer editing shots. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. So try to keep this idea of like, take it easy. <laughs> don't, don't come back with thousands of shots. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting um, question. You know, I, I mean, and, and it pertains to just kind of like the, the mechanical aspect of the camera too, and the settings that you have. And I mean, you know, it's possible, obviously, to rapid fire and just, you know, get big bursts. And but I I think you know as as you're implying, Tony, it's easy to kind of abuse the technical prowess of the camera mm -hmm. and just generate so many images as opposed to, you know, somebody once said to me, and I I just will never forget this that you know photography is about pressing the button at the right moment, you know, and so if you're 
praying and spraying, as you were saying, you know, mm -hmm. then, then you're not so much tuning into the moment, you know. So I, I definitely think there's, there's a balance to be found there. It's sort of like, you know, it, spending some time editing with your eyes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the shots that I just had with the, with the wall, you know, I did spend a lot of time there and I did shoot a lot of frames, but every frame was different. You know, it wasn't that I had to look through 15 shots of the same scene. Right. But yeah, there is that, that idea is like, you know, I think maybe that's why people are going back to film these days. It, was a big, it does make you more selective. Well, yeah, you have 36 frames and, you know, it costs money to take those pictures. And especially if you go with the larger format cameras, which can only have, you know, like a, a two and a quarter camera can take, you know, 10 or 12 shots, depending on the format. I mean, you've got 10 or 12 shots. That's it for that roll of film. All right. Now you're scaring me. That's, that's crazy talk, man. <laughs> that's well, how about four by five? You got two. You know? Oh, man. Or eight by ten. You had to flip the, 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 the carrier around. So, you know, I'm not saying to do that, but to turn put a little off, thought into it. Yeah, put a little thought in it. And sometimes, you know, this idea of just try to lay off the trigger. I think it's just, you know, you'll end up saving some hard drive space. And I think you'll you'll end up appreciating the editing experience because you won't have to, you know, it won't be drudgery where you're looking through 150 pictures of the same scene trying to find one subtle difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm exaggerating, of course, but you know what right, I mean. Right, yeah. right, right. And it depends on the subject matter. I mean, you know, if, you're, if your kid's playing a little league, little league baseball game and he's up at bat and swinging, then hell yeah, use yeah, the rapid yeah. fire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But when you're shooting street art and there's something interesting and somebody walking by, you don't, you don't need a thousand pictures. Yeah. Just to own up to it, though, I still sometimes, you know, fire the trigger a bunch of times. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we all get a little trigger happy now and then. Yeah. Well, it happens when I'm doing my street photography. I'll, I'll set up my, my camera can do three frames a second or six frames a second. Sometimes I'll, I usually set it for three frames a second, which is enough because I'll walk by somebody uh -huh. and, you know, I'll get three frames and either I got the shot in three frames or I didn't. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, well, let me try six, you know, and I'll do the six or something like that. And it becomes a lot more difficult for me to choose between the shots that I get. So, yeah. uh -huh. interesting. Yeah. So another shot I want to talk about was one I took of uh, a buddy of mine. It was a street food vendor, a buddy of mine. I become yeah. friends with this guy. I believe he's from Egypt and he has some of the best Middle Eastern food in the city. I bump into him every other week. And one day I finally had my camera with him and it was at night. And I was like, dude, I got to take a picture of you. You know, do you mind? I asked him, which is uh -huh. unusual for me to do. Right. Yeah. But um, we became friends. And so I took a series of shots of him. It was a, it was a, it was a cold night, but not freezing. So he was wearing a sweatshirt and he I took about maybe 10 shots of him and he put his hat on and he posed a little bit for me. He was voguing. No, <laughs> <laughs> but he was posing. And, you know, I ended up going with, you know, I, I took some shots where I, I off angled him from the food cart, put him off to the left, put him off to the right. But the shot I ended up choosing was pretty much him looking directly at the camera, pretty much center. I didn't crop the shot. You know, sometimes I crop into a square. This one I left as a as a horizontal shot. And what I ended up with is a with a shot of him at night. He's got this old navy hoodie on. On the left side of the frame is his food cart. On the right side of the frame is 58th Street and 8th Avenue. And to me, it just said everything. Like, to me, it says he's this food vendor at night you know in new york city and he's a good looking guy it was really a matter of like the the editing from 
after taking the pictures saying what's going to tell the story in you know as easily as possible and that was the shot that i chose yeah i couldn't agree more with your choice there you know i mean there's something just downright classic about you know the one you ended up with it's just so full on and he's I, I love the way it's like half the image is the food truck and half the image just kind of recedes into the darkness of the streets. But there's like that vague figure walking off mm. the image to the right. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and he, he just looks really comfortable, kind of proud and dignified and just, you know, yeah, there's something super classic about that image. And the other ones have... You know, they're they're all different. He's kind of looks a little uncomfortable in some and, you know, trying different things. And but the one you ended up with, it's sort of just bam, you know, the, here I am. That's interesting. You said uncomfortable because I'm thinking about that because this is the first time I went up to him to take a picture. Uh -huh. And he might have been uncomfortable in those first few frames. And so sure, yeah. that's interesting. Often when you go up to someone and you, you say, can I take your picture? There's that moment of like awkwardness and then right. you start taking their shot and they start to loosen up to you. So that's interesting. Maybe those first few frames are always going to be throwaways because we're doing this. We're having this interaction for the first time and then he settles into it. And then maybe that fourth or fifth frame is the one to start looking at. Yeah. Yeah. As a general rule, I think that's that's going to be true. You know, people definitely warm up. And I mean, after a while, I mean, I'm sure we've both experienced this with our friends. After a while, people just kind of forget that you're even taking pictures if because you, if you're constantly shooting them yeah they just begin, eventually ignore it and get so comfortable i, kn I knew um, a photographer who would start a portrait session with person with a person and the first whole session had no film in the camera huh so uh -huh. you just take pictures without film and that was just to get a rapport with the subject and he wouldn't you know he would pretend to change the role of film at the end and then uh -huh. by that second roll, stuff started to happen. So it was really, you know, the, that process of getting comfortable in front of the camera, you know, because he was like, why should I waste all that film? The, f the first roll is going to look terrible. Yeah, that's They're interesting. Look awkward, you know? Although I would say in terms of gleaning and everything, you know, I have noticed that sometimes like the first and the last image, I don't know why, but I have noticed, you know, like many, many times the very first image I take I'll end, will end up being the one I like. Or the very last mm. one. I, I don't know why that is. That's and, happened sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that. So about you? Get, we, got one, we got time for one more shot. Okay. Um, yeah, well, another one I thought would be worth mentioning is uh, a nature shot. I, I was in uh, Fish Eating Creek, which is a, a wildlife sanctuary in Florida, kind of central southern Florida. And I was there to meet a childhood friend of mine, and I got there super, super early you know, the sun had just come up and I walked down to the creek and this, so the setting is like something out of a Tarzan movie. <laughs> and, and I, I saw something enormous land on the other side of this creek. Um, and I could hear its wings pounding, you know, and I was like, man, what in the world was that? You know? And I, so I, I think I might've had my 70 to 200 already on, and, and so I was looking across the creek, you know, through this telephoto lens and this, it turned out to be an owl. And I, I think, you know, it was so early. There's so few people in this wildlife sanctuary that it had heard me and it was probably just, you know, ending its nocturnal hunting trip. And so it, but it was curious to see, you know, what I was. So it just, as I was looking through the lens, this owl came 
towards me out from behind this like veil of Spanish moss. And so I have a couple shots before while it's still behind the, the moss. And then it was just coming directly at me. And, and that's one of my favorite shots. Duck, and then, duck. I know. It, it actually <laughs> went like, over my head, you know. But, yeah. I mean, it, it, it flew upwards and over my head. I have, like, one kind of very blurry shot. I was, like, bending over backwards and shooting straight up, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. So it was a fun sequence. And, and, the, and that one shot of it flying directly at me is, you know, my favorite. So let me ask you, you chose the cropping in such a way that you left a lot of the the grass and moss in the picture. What was your thought process behind that? Um, well, you know, it's funny because I, I, I printed out a big version of that shot for a photo show, and it was like 30 by 40, and I cropped it kind of tighter mm-hmm. just because I, you know, I wanted to really highlight the owl, um, but I... Now, you know, when I see that image, I just feel like something was lost from the overall feel of the images uh, of that image and and kind of the the full frame. And and, and I have a, a smaller version of it that I printed up that's like five by seven that's not cropped as tightly. And I just I, I like the overall balance of, of the image with more space, you know, because the kind of the strands of color beneath it and the, and the moss and the trees in the background, you know, and, and the overall that wildlife sanctuary is a really important place for me. So, you know, over time I realized I, I wanted all of those elements and, you know, and I think the owl is really cool and beautiful. Um, but in a way I kind of like allowing it to um, remain kind of blanketed in this natural beauty. I mean, it kind of sort of blends in a little bit. Yeah. So there's sort of a camouflage kind of thing going on. Yeah. Uh, and again, oh. you've got sort of these multiple frames going on. You've got the, the grass and the moss on the right, and then you've got another line of green on the bottom, and then you've got more sort of he's coming out of the woods, and so it's a series of frames leading up to him. So that's an interesting choice i might have cropped it a little bit just because my first thought again looking at the picture for a longer period of time i i hear what you're saying uh-huh. my first thought when i saw it for the first time was like crop right into the owl yeah but now i hear what you're saying about it's sort of emerging into the frame and so you're letting it have the space and so mm-hmm. um yeah i might reconsider my my thought process about cropping and i think i think i'll leave it the way it is so yeah and i i would just put in a plug for a mentor of mine a wildlife photographer by the name of james kern um who's done some amazing work in this wildlife refuge fish eating creek in fact he was one of the founders of the place and and a lot of his work captures just the kind of vast beauty of of that region, you know, and uh, so I think when it's not cropped as tightly, it's kind of a homage to uh, Jim Kern. Hmm. The, lo- the location, yeah, yeah. All right, so I think uh, we've reached the uh, sort of the end. We've talked for a little bit longer than we usually do. I, sort of as a summary, what's the what's the takeaway for you about this? Well, I I, I like what you said, Tony, Um, you know, that oftentimes we're just, we're rushing with images. We have so many and, you know, we're making really quick decisions. So, you know, I think the takeaway is uh, to enjoy the the post-production selection process, to 
trust your instincts. You know, if a particular image is jumping out at you, it may not be technically the most perfect one, but to trust your gut level on that's that's the one and to to take some time, you know, to think about what what your subject is and how you want to present it so that you know, you're selecting the image, you're you're cropping, you're making some adjustments and and you're that's part of the birth of the image, which is, you know, a a nod to an earlier version. <laughs> <laughs> and I would echo what Marco uh, LaRousse told us last week is that, you know, he spent some time printing a picture before he ends up posting on the internet. And so this idea of living with a picture for a little while before you uh, go and share it with the world, whether it's a print or putting on Flickr, uh, I think is a great idea. And then also maybe even if you're not sure, like what I did with the, the shots of Macy's, putting them online and seeing what the world has to say about them. Let them live up there for a second and see what people see in your pictures that can also help you in the editing process. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have a, if you're down to two versions of the same thing, I will oftentimes show friends, you know, just get both images on the screen and say, "Hey, which one do you like and and why?" you know, and that's always interesting just to see an image through somebody else's eyes. And and then and then you choose the other one. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Um, All right. Well, that's and it, great. You know, I, I just want to put a little plug in for our next episode. Which yeah, I was going to say, put in, uh, yeah, yep, mention we, that. We have the co-founder of the photo agency Seven, uh, Ron Haviv, one of the Seven photographers. Um, so it's, he's really amazing. It's fantastic that he's agreed to be on the show and uh, to give a shout out to Ron's sister, an amazing singer-songwriter, Tamar Haviv, um, through whom I, I met Ron. So Ron's going to talk to us about... Uh, his work as a photojournalist, and he recently had a show in Sarajevo on the 20th anniversary of the end of the conflict there. So should be a great episode. All right. So everybody have a week to go check out uh, Ron's site and see the great pictures that we're going to be talking about. So, all righty. So that's the end of episode, what are we, episode 18? 18, I think. <laughs> all right. Cool. Episode 18. So. Anyway, you guys can find us at our website, which is switchtomanual.com. Through the website, you can join our Flickr group where we have uh, you can join and share your pictures. We, we encourage you to do that. We'd like to have uh, a nice group where everybody can share their shots. So you can also find us on Twitter at switch the number two manual. So switch to manual. We're also on Facebook, just do a search for Switch to Manual. We're on G+, Google+, also Switch to Manual. And, you know, we want some feedback and some ideas for shows, so you can either tweet us at uh, our Twitter address or you can email us at info at switchtomanual.com. And also, you know, we just put up some, I forgot to do this, uh, put up some iTunes um, subscription buttons on our page. Oops. <laughs> Thanks for Marco to pointing that out. I thought we had those on there, but uh, you can subscribe to our iTunes feed from our page. And if you do, please leave some reviews and comments about this podcast. We want to get some feedback from you guys. Also, and thanks to Allison Sheridan for pointing out that uh, our Flickr site was limited to uh, private. I've just recently opened it up to the public. So Allison Sheridan of uh, podfeet.com. Thank you for that tip. Um, we're getting our we're getting our sea legs here, and we'll be having we're coming up to 20 episodes soon, and we have this great interview next week. So, tune in, and I think that's it. So, uh, see you later. Adios.